give him glory. Father, we just give you glory. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. You're the one. You're the one, Lord. You're the one that we worship. You're the one that we adore. You're the one that we magnify. You're the one, Father God, who sees everything going on on planet earth. You recognize every detail. You recognize every plan. You recognize every scheme. We thank you, God, that even in our intercession this morning, it was like arrows going out all over the planet, affecting the plans of the enemy and nullifying what it is that they wanted to do. God, we thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for the power of praise. We thank you that God, in every moment where your people come together, even as a legislative assembly to join in and partner with you to release what's on your heart. And so, God, we thank you that in our intercession today, we just believe we joined in with what's on your heart. And so, Father, we thank you that, um, as Pastor already prayed, that all the, the con all the things that the enemy wants to accomplish will be null and void. Amen? Amen. So, the, the, you, you gals from Nigeria, Nigeria is important to the whole continent of Africa. Okay, so... I don't know if you know that, but an outsider, I've been there. I just want you to know that in the midst of even North Nigeria, South Nigeria, God knows what his boundaries are, and he knows what he's got planned. And God has not forgotten Nigeria, never forgotten Nigeria. And I'm just telling you that the bloodshed that's been shed in Northern Nigeria is crying out, even right now, for the justice of God. And the voice of that land, which has been cursed, God says, I'm going to reverse the curse. Yes. He's raising up people in you, like you in that continent that will indeed speak life to the land and call the land back in line with its destiny. So we know, I mean, South Africa, Nigeria, Africa is a massive continent, yes. and there's great things that are going on there. But the revival that has started, it's going to sweep across the whole continent. So I just want to encourage you, you know, sometimes like us, we live in the midst of all the voices, of all the down, the nastiness, the wickedness, and sometimes we can't see beyond it. But you can speak to another nation, we see beyond it for you. Now, see beyond it for us. You, you guys, see beyond it for us and begin to decree the will of God be done in the United States of America. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> We're excited about the opportunity to be here this morning. It was two years ago this month, right around this time, that we moved full-time up into Moravian Falls. We've been coming back and forth for four years or so. Before that. Yeah, before that. And um, so we were kind of tasting and seeing how good it was here. <laughs> and we have found that it is good. And so we're very excited about being in this place. And um, we, we love the community. We love the family. We love what's going on here at the gathering. It's what a great opportunity to just constantly meeting new people. So we just want to tell you that every one of you carry great value. 
Every one of you are a gift, and every one of you are important to what it is that God's doing. No matter how you see yourself in part of this family, in your comings and in your goings, just know that when you're here, God has you here, and the very presence of God in you is important to the whole place. Yeah, it is. You are absolutely vital to what God wants to do in this house. In other words, God's not going to complete what it is that he wants to do at the gathering without you. So if you feel like you're kind of in a place where you're not sure, I'm telling you God's about to push you off your unsure. He'll push you off that place into the place where he wants you to be. So I'm just telling you, I can't, and, and I recognize new people come in, there's visitors here, you're from places all over, and we're glad that you're here. A lot of you, you come enough that you're, you, we already recognize your faces. Hey, I know you, welcome back again. Yes, I'm smiling at both of them. And it's like they're just part of the community that expands and moves out from this place. So uh, Kimberly and I, we, we really do, we love you. We could go, we, we thought we could literally begin naming names and saying, hey, if you don't know this couple, you need to get to know them. I'm just telling you, you, you need to take the initiative to get to know each other. Now, again, I, I, I pastored 23 years in Florida. And so it, I broke through this thing of I'm, I'm just going to get to know people. I mean, I can remember when people walked in Revival Outreach Center and I would watch around and nobody would go up to them and talk to them and nobody would break that. I'm like, I'm breaking through. I'm just going to, it doesn't make any difference. You say, well, you're probably an extrovert. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just decided I'm going to take the initiative and break through. And so we both, we just spend time, every time we're here, we're looking around. Who can we touch? Who can we go up, get to know? Who can we smile at? You know, and, and all of you need to jump in on that because there's, there's a lot of, of people in here that have great things to offer. And, and you don't know it until you have opportunity to kind of sit down and talk to them. I love what Dustin did with that festival. I mean, I got to meet people and talk to people that I've seen, but I had no opportunity to ever touch and talk to. I'll tell you, one of those was Laura Lynn's daughter, Bethany. I've never had any opportunity to really just have conversation with her, knew about her, recognize her children, recognize, and some of you don't even know who I'm talking about. It's okay. But I'm just telling you, I had an opportunity. And, and after the conversation was over, she kind of put her arm, her hand right here and said, thanks, Thanks for what? Thanks for listening. You understand? Yeah. Just simple things like that. I mean, we're talking about the power of unity this morning. And so one of the things in unity is you got to move to the place where you value other people. You understand? As soon as you encourage somebody or appreciate them, the level of Jesus inside of them, even though Jesus doesn't need that, he doesn't need your encouragement. He doesn't need you. He wants you to love him, but it's, he doesn't have this desire. It sure feels good to be encouraged today. But I'm telling you that the Jesus that lives in every one of you, as soon as someone else appreciates you, you go up. You move up. 
I'm, I'm telling you, start taking guns around with you that are loaded with appreciation. Amen. Yeah. Appreciation guns. Appreciation guns. <laughs> and when you do that, all of a sudden, the, the gift that people are is going to elevate. It's going to move up. Am I telling the truth? It just happens. I mean, I t- this morning, I just appreciate Gary and Carolyn, don't you? I mean, these guys, they come in, they come in and they get here, they get on the front row and we're up here leading worship. And I know, man, they're just, boom. I'm like, oh my God, I like them. They're like glory magnets. They're like glory magnets though. I mean, it's like when the presence falls, the first people at the altar are Gary and Carolyn. And, and they're no better than they, any of the rest of you. I'm just, just kind of throwing Jesus. some it goods at them. You got it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, I appreciate these two people. I appreciate their willingness to drive as far as they drive and come here every Sunday. Can you feel something moving up? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You an elevation that's going on and you join in in that appreciation because you love them too. Yeah. And we could just kind of go through the room. And do that, that kind of thing. I'm thinking of Millie Walker back there. Yeah. <laughs> Millie, stand up. People need to know who you are. So Millie moved here recently and, and full, lives here full-time in Wilkes County. But Millie is such a treasure. And I love, I get emails from Millie about videos that you need to, to see this. You sent one about Johnny Enloe the other day that just rocked us in our car. And we ended up, the anointing hit the car and we had to pull over and all that. Thank you, Millie. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if you, anyway, I, she did. She sent it to us and we're like, oh, we got so many people wanting us to watch all these videos. And so we're driving to Asheville. It was absolutely gorgeous. We hit it at its peak. And so we're driving and we're listening to this and, and it's about the, the anointing and it's about the levels of anointing. And then I knew when he got to the end, he warned us, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to release those anointings. And so we did, I pulled off because I could already feel it in the car. How many of you like the anointing? You like the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. When all of a sudden you recognize we're not alone anymore. Something is going on here. So yes, we moved. I needed gas, but I went into a shell station and we just sat there. I just sat there and we're like looking at each other and I'm like, oof, I'm buzzing. It's, yeah. it's good in it's this good. car right yeah. now. <laughs> and so anyway, we could just kind of go through the room. We won't, but we love you and we appreciate you. And, and I want every one of you to recognize the importance of who you are. And when we come together and we carry that, because there's something interesting about that, because it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Someone can say, I can love my neighbor, but I'm not sure I can love myself. Well, you won't love your neighbor properly until you can love yourself. So you need to let words of value, those things that God has to say about you, build you up. And then in those moments, you've got a lot to offer to the other people around you. So, yay. Yeah? We're good? Okay. All right. Mm-mm. So a question, some questions we have here. And, and if you were here Friday night, um, Stephen List asks these questions. He says, what are you here for? What, what is it that you want? And we were thinking about that same question, like, what, what are you here for today? And then the other thing, because we're talking about unity, it's like, ask the question, 
and think about this as we move through our service together. What, what is our unified purpose? In other words, what is it that makes us one? Because we're, we're all different. Some of you, you're here because you love fellowship. Some of you are here because you love worship. Some of you are here because you love the preaching of the word. There are those things that we're, we're all different in that. Some it's about evangelism. It's about expanding the kingdom and all of those kinds of things. The, I don't believe that those things are what's going to make us one because we're all different in that. So, all right, let's do this first slide, make us one. So Jesus prayed, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, just as we are one, in them and you and me, that we may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So is unity important? Yes. Absolutely important. Now, something that's interesting in this that goes across the board in all of our lives, listen, there is no division in heaven. In heaven right now, there's no division. Now, I realized at one point with the angels and all that stuff, they decided that they wanted to divide, and what did God do with them? Tossed them out, cast them right out of heaven. No division in heaven. And now this prayer, and now Jesus being there, what I'm telling you is that which we're after is already in heaven. Amen. And what are we singing this morning? On earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. So what we're saying is unity is already in heaven. Let's loose it on earth. It's already loosed in heaven. Let's loose it on earth. Sometimes I think in, in our warring and our fighting, we think, well, okay, it's what I'm after is, is, doesn't exist yet. But the truth of it, uh, it's already exists, and it's already settled. The issue of unity is settled. We just haven't caught up with that yet. <laughs> yeah, I recognize we're on a journey together, but let's recognize that it's not a journey that hasn't already been accomplished in heaven. If I know it's already been accomplished in heaven, then all I have to do is yield to it and say yes to it and line up with it. I mean, when we're singing, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what are we asking for? The presence of heaven to be here in the room, the presence of unity, no division, of worship, of holy, the atmosphere of holy, that's what we want in the room. It's perfect. What are we asking? What are we declaring when we make that statement? So there's a few passages about unity. Um, Colossians 1, 16 to 17, it says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I mean, Jesus is the spirit of unity. It, he holds everything together. I mean, even scientists, when they, they looked at the, the molecular structure of things, they came up with what was called the J factor that holds all things together. Why did they call it the J factor? Maybe it was a Christian that determined that, but it's the Jesus factor. In all things, we exist. 
you know, we sing worthy of it all for, by you, for from you are all things and to you are all things and you deserve the glory. It, it all belongs to him. He created it all. Even that demonic structure that's trying to rise up on October 31st, he created them, but they fell. They're subject to his voice uh-huh. still. Yep. You know, we do deliverance ministry, and, and as you were talking, Pastor David, I thought about Monday night we had a class, and we were teaching on familiar spirits, which are those that psychics use and necromancers, those that are calling on the dead. And we had one girl in our class whose family was into Santeria growing up. So she, her family was from Cuba. That witchcraft was very strong, still has family members practicing this, this cult religion, and here she is. She's a spirit-filled, born-again Christian. She's been through several of our classes, very prophetic, and all of a sudden starts having issues. And we start teaching on the familiar spirits in the class, and all of a sudden she's like, I got a problem. And by the time we got done with this class, she got delivered from three spirit guides that had been attached to her from her family. I say that because this stuff is no joke. No, it's, it's not no a joke. joke. And, and here's, here she's been, been trying, she, on fire for God, and some of you have had, found yourself, you've been on fire for God, and then all of a sudden you get tripped up and you're falling back into your old ways again, and there's an enemy that wants to always suck you back into that old thing, and it just may be you got some deliverance that needs to take place. And that's not a bad thing. We no. all want to be free. So you got to hear that. It's not a bad thing. That's a no. good thing. So most of us understand, like this girl, I mean, she came out of all that stuff in the world. She's born again. I mean, she immediately starts growing, 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 growing. Amazing. I mean, you remember your first days? It was like God looking over everything, taking care of everything. You, weren't, you were just kind of flowing with it. And then all of a sudden God says, now I'm going to train you. Now I'm going to equip you. Now I'm going to teach you about self-government. And so with this gal, it was like something. And you can look at that as, oh, no. But what you need to look at it is, oh, no, the enemy's showing his hand, and the Spirit of God's ready to do something. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? You have something in your life, and it's, it's popping up, and you're saying, uh-oh, what the heck is this? And, and if you just try to stuff it down and do nothing about it, it'll be like pop goes a weasel. You know, what you need to do is just say, okay, I recognize it. Now the Spirit of God's ready to do something about it. Just say yes and yield to him. I mean, God loves doing that stuff. And so we see that we're on a journey together. All right, let's go to Psalm 133. This is a passage that we want to just spend a little bit of time on. It's up there. You can read it. <clears throat> and it um, says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. And so we see language here that it says brothers. So in other words, are we brothers and sisters? We are. Listen, we can talk about all the thing of, you know, our bloodlines and where we've come from and all that. When we're born again, we move into the place of one blood. Doesn't matter what color your skin, doesn't matter what, any, any of those things don't matter anymore. We enter into the one blood and that's the blood of Jesus. And when that comes, then there's literally this place that automatically makes us one and yet we're in constant tension as to how that oneness is going to work out. 
Even in this when it talks about, it's like oil flowing down. When I hear oil, I think of the anointing. I think of the anointing of God. What does the anointing do? It breaks the yoke. The anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing of God, which is the tangible presence of God that comes in a moment because now he's ready to do something. And so this oil is like the anointing that comes down Aaron's beard, who a natural man, and then all of a sudden this anointing, this oil changes him. It is the anointing of God that will take us from the place of where it looks like we're in the natural and move us into the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're already supernatural beings. We're not yet what we already are. We're not yet in the natural what we already are in the supernatural. We're not yet in the natural what we already are in the eternals. And when God looks at you, he sees you in the eternals, not the nasty now in the natural. Aren't you glad? And so when we talk about then the anointing that breaks the yoke, the anointing that can take you as an individual and change you in to who it is that God wants you. Will anybody say yes? So God, we invite your anointing right now in this place to come right now in this moment and transform us into who it is that you want us to be so that we might become a manifestation of the prayer of Jesus, there would be so much oneness, one mind, agreement, unity among us that people would become jealous because of that unity and they would say yes to Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. What's it going to look like? Well, I don't know. If you're a husband and wife and you're at the Mexican restaurant and you start to squabble, you probably ought to say, whoa, wait a minute. God wants to show himself that we are one right here in the midst of this place and all of a sudden invite the anointing and the atmosphere changes and you'll look a whole lot better than you did. Amen. <laughs> I've seen you in the future and you look much better than you look right now. Some of you know Kim Clement. You remember that? And he'd pound that baby. So what are we saying? I can, I can see you in the future. That was the very thing. How could Jesus go all the way to the end and endure and come out of it with joy because he could see beyond where he was right then? Okay, so now listen, we we start talking these kinds of things and it's too easy for us to see, well, the church is divided. Everything about, you you look at the churches all out there, there's division everywhere. We, we, We don't agree on things. I'm just telling you, we're trying to agree on the wrong things. Right, And and you can tell me all day what it looks like in the natural, but I'm going to tell you exactly what it looks like in heaven. In heaven, the church is one. It is one, and Jesus is transforming his church that it's going to be without spot, without blemish. It's going to show forth everything that Jesus gave his blood for. Can you see it? Now, I'm going to ask you, can you see it? Or is all that you're hearing is all the voices and what you see through your natural eyes that says it's not there? I'm telling you prophetically, not a bone in his body was broken. They wanted to break it. They'd broken the thieves. They wanted to come break his. Nope. 
God said, no way you're going to break because my body is not broken. My body is one. Would you please stop prophesying that the body is broken? Okay. You can talk to me about differences, but don't, don't tell, I, I know this is interesting language, but you, if you, as you say to me, God's church is in an absolute mess. I'm going to say you in the eyes of God, his church is really, really good. You say, no, doesn't God sit on his throne and talk about how messy things are? No, because he's already seen the end. He knows exactly where we're going. Mm-hmm. You got to learn in terms of language. There's some things we call a mess that God says you need to look differently and recognize that I'm bigger than what you're calling the mess. All right. So I, I want to go back to the uh, Psalm 133 and the Passion Translation. So I like the way Brian Simmons put it. He said, How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forevermore. What a promise. Lord, make us one as you are one. So again, we're talking about unity here, and what does unity mean? What does it look like? And I, we were having conversation about this word agreement. Okay, what does agreement really mean? It, for us, it becomes the place of what, not my opinion, but what is God's opinion? And then can we recognize God's opinion in this? And it brings us into something of unified purpose. Amen. Unified purpose. What, what are we here for? And I, I want you to let that work in you because I, I want us to come to the place where we will give ourselves to unified purpose, God's purpose, not our own, God's agenda, not our own. You often heard it said, well, I have an opinion. And they say, well, okay, fine. If God has an opinion, then why does yours matter? (laughs) Opinions are kind of like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. And if they're not washed by the blood, they tend to stink. And God's got an opinion, and I'm saying one of the things that will bring us into unified purpose is when we can hear the agenda of God and the opinions of God. And then all of a sudden it goes beyond anything that we could ever pull off in the natural. So again, Matthew 18, 19 to 20, it says, again, I say that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. That's unified purpose. Why? It's in his name. It's what he wants. And so in those moments then, don't you want to, I believe God's turning us into a family where we can ask what it is that God wants us to ask and God will move on it. I'll say it again. I'm not sure you're hearing me. 
I believe we're a group of people, a community of people that are becoming a family that will be so in tune to the heart of God that when we get together, we will basically say what it is that God's saying in that moment and we will see measurable results immediately. That's better. I got a little bit of a witness there. A little bit of a witness. So let's talk about just what most of us in one way or another have experienced in terms of, of what we're talking about, the anointing. There is no real unity without the presence of God. There can be a decision for unity, but there was no real unity. Come on, we, we've been in places we decide, okay, we're going to agree upon this and we're going to move together. And if there's no anointing, if there's no presence of God, it never lasts. And so for those of us that have lived in a place where the anointing, the presence of God took over for an extended time, then the opinions of man and what somebody else wanted to do did not matter at all. I've been in meetings where the presence of God was so strong that I found myself in that meeting where they're laying down, rolling on the floor, laughing with people that before I came into the meeting, I didn't even care to be with. Any of you ever experienced that? Oh, I did, man. I'm telling you, it was so intense that by the time we got laughed with each other and got up off the floor, we were best buddies. That's the presence of God. And that's what we're after. We're talking about the presence of God. You can call it the glory. You can call it whatever you want. There are no arguments in the glory. No, there's not. When the glory of God shows up, then all that goes away. And you know how it works many times. I mean, then you can walk right out of the building and rather than you taking the presence with you, you walk out the building and leave the presence behind and you you turn back into the knothead you were before you were in the presence of God. I mean, I, I, I recognize these things. I've lived in it. I had a good friend of mine. They were... Um, the power of God moved in the mid-90s in Seattle with three pastors, and, and you'll appreciate this because they were like the triangle. So what that meant was they'd leave one church and go to the next church, then they'd leave that church and go to the other church. So you had uh, John G. Lake International Church, you had the Foursquare Church, and you had the Assembly of God Church. And so the pastors, they kind of didn't mind doing outreach stuff together, but never really, you know, not, not bond, Okay power of God smacked all three of them. They met every day for three solid years. They had no problems until they came out of the presence of God, sat in their office, and tried to decide what are we going to do with what God's doing. <laughs> then they looked at each other and said, this is absolute waste of time. Let's get back in the presence of God. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about a, a unity that comes because God shows up. And you, we could go right down the line. I mean, it's, you say Brownsville. What happened to Brownsville? Brownsville's moving along. It's cooking. And I, as I know some of you, most of you are old enough to remember that. And so, I mean, it, it's just cooking there, man. And all of a sudden, Michael Brown gets there. He starts a school. And then they start sobering up. And then their sobriety, they say, Michael, we think you need to become Assembly of God. And Michael's like, No. What happens? It blows up. 
I'll give you another example. I had a guy right down the street from me outside of, of Tampa, Florida. I mean, we're in these meetings together. We're doing meetings at his place, meetings at my place. It's like crazy, man. The anointing, all of a sudden, we've got this unity that's supernatural, not natural. One time we're talking on the phone together, and it was like in a moment, it was like God said, I want you guys to come together. You could feel it in the phone. I'm sitting in my office. Then the next conversation he had to say to me was, well, you're not assembly of God, and you need to become assembly of God, and therefore I'll be the pastor. And you'll be, You see, you just, you just took what was on fire and threw your religious nonsense on it and put it out. You're a people that's ready for the presence of God to be so strong that it will transform you and change you and you will move out and take that anointing with you. How many of you say yes? Come on, come on, come on, you say yes. So we're talking about the burden of this is on God, not on us. Are, are, we, wielding, are we willing to yield to that? that? That's gonna be part of the invitation this morning is are you willing to yield to allow God to move us into a place of unity and anointing that's bigger than any of us as individuals. Okay, so that, that's where we're headed this morning. So we're gonna ask the question at the end and just say, okay, again, I'm not, talking, I'm not inviting you into my agenda. I'm not inviting you into how I think the service ought to go or this ought to go. I'm not inviting you into, I'm not, that's not what I'm inviting you into. I'm inviting you into something that God wants to do because we're at war and God wants an army and an army can't fight if they're divided. You can't. You can't pray together. You can't run together. If, if there's division there, then he's already said it this morning. The enemy is going to do everything he can to blow every bit of it up. But we're going to yield to an anointing to saying yes to God, that God, we want that because you want that because in that you can accomplish anything. You remember the Tower of Babel? That was crazy. I mean, that was without God. That was totally driven by demons and principalities. And yet they came into a place of one language, a unified purpose. I realize it was wicked, but God looks down and says, mm, we're going to step in and do something because if we don't, they're going to get what they want, which they weren't going to get God. They were going to get Satan, but they understood that. And God, what does he do? He scatters them. They can't even understand each other. I believe it's exactly what God's going to do with that which is calling out for one world government. It is one more Tower of Babel. And I'm going to prophesy today that the Tower of Babel is going to be torn down one more time. The earth is going to open up and it's going to swallow it. And they're going to start asking questions. Where are those people that planned this to be accomplished by 2030? Where are those people? They're no longer around. They're just on YouTube videos. If you want to listen to that old garbage, go back and listen to it. But God's going to one more time do it. God is not going to allow that to happen. God is not going to allow that to happen. God is not going to allow that to happen. God is not going to allow that to happen. God is not going to allow that to happen. 
No way. No way. No way. Jesus came and said, hey, upon this, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. And Jesus was standing in Caesarea Philippi on Mount Hermon, which Mount Hermon is where the fallen angels, Elohim, decided that they were going to come and have sex with the women, and the whole Nephilim agenda started right there. And all through history, Caesarea Philippi was known as the gate of Hades. For generations, people came there because this right here, this is an open portal. It is a gate of Hades. And Jesus stood right on that place. Upon this geographical place, I'm going to build my ecclesia. And they are going to carry my anointing And they're going to legislate what goes on on earth and what doesn't. You want to say they blame the church because of where we are? It's because the church has not been trained to legislate. I'm going to say it again. Why? We're in the mess we are in because the church didn't do their job. I'm telling you it's because the church has not been trained to legislate the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. And you will not be able to legislate with division. You won't be able to do it. You got to come in the room. You got to find out this is what God's saying. This is according to his word. This is according to his law. This is exactly what he wants. And then somebody asks the question, does everybody in the room agree with what this issue and what God has to say about it? And there's going to be a great amen and the gavel's going to go down, and then it's going to manifest. So I'm talking about an invitation for an anointing of unity that we're going to rise up together as the legislative army of God, and we're going to partner with God so that he gets all of what he wants. Okay, some of you getting it? Are some of you getting it? Huh? Give me some kind of movement. Are you getting what I'm saying? All right? It's important that you hear it and you're ready to jump into it. All right. There's blessings that always come with unity. Every time, there's all kinds of blessings. You want to talk about those? Sure. The the passage from Psalm 133, it talks about how good and pleasant it is. And so good, you know, God creates good things. What happened during the creation? He, He created... The, uh, he created the earth, and he stepped back, and he said, oh, it is good. He put the stars and the, the moon and all the planets and the heavenlies, and he stepped back, and he went, oh, this is good. He loves good. Our, our friend Patty Emson, she says it this way. She says, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Everything that God does is good. Yes. So we, we want to have the goodness of God. I mean, we sing that song about, about the goodness of God. We want to have that in our presence, and that happens when unity is there. The other thing is it, it's pleasant. What are a few things that are pleasant? Harmony in music is pleasant, isn't it? You have a, a good team that's just all gelling together, and they're playing together. It's just absolutely fabulous. Um, a full, uh, the Bible talks about a field full of ripe grain is pleasant. Harvest is pleasant. 
And also the same word for pleasant is used for the sweetness of honey. Mm. So how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity together. And then the last thing unity creates is it creates life. Everything we need to be happy, content, and peaceful comes from that unity when we're together and the presence of God is there and then we have life forevermore. Yeah, let's put up this next slide and just show you some of the things. We won't go through all these verses, but just talk about a little bit. So what is, how does a unified purpose manifest? What's it going to look like? Scripture talks about being of one mind. They, they were of one mind. You do understand they were of one mind because it was the mind of Christ. They were giving themselves to the mind of Christ. Yeah. It was not, not their own opinions. You, you could see in Scripture where they begin to wrestle with the, what they thought, and yet when they came into the place of, of one mind in terms of a unison that was there. Acts chapter 2 talks about they were of one accord. So all of a sudden, out of obedience to what Jesus said, hey, I want you to go and I want you to wait, get in that upper room and wait for me to come. It was interesting they started kind of dialoguing, you know, when they're going to, uh, and all of a sudden they decide, we've got to have somebody to replace Judas. It's kind of like, you know, you're going to get jump in. I'm not saying that was important. I'm just saying in that moment, they're saying, okay, what's it going to look like? But when we're talking about the presence of God, you know what happened. The presence of God moved in. And when the presence of God moved in, then all of a sudden supernatural unity was manifested on earth. And it was so supernatural that with those tongues of fire, when they walked out of that room, they were speaking a language that was not a language of their own, but a language that was from God that calls unity in the streets. Amen. Are you hearing me? They, weren't, they didn't come out of there talking their own opinion, their own religious ideas, any of that stuff. They just spoke what it was that God was saying. And the other people from all the nations, you understand that everything that happened at Tower of Babel was then redeemed on the day of Pentecost. There were people from every nation, all 70 of those nations that were dispersed. Those people were there, and in that moment, in a moment of supernatural presence of God, unity, they're put out in the streets, and they magnify the Lord, and a harvest comes in. Are we in the days of harvest? I'm telling you, one of the things that God wants to do is, even from what Jesus was talking to the Father about, that, that kind of unity is going to bring in a harvest. The world right now can look at what they call the church, and they can tell you everything that's wrong with the church. They can tell you everything that's wrong with the people of the church. They can tell you the statistics of, well, divorce is just as bad in the church as it isn't. They can point all that stuff out to you. I'm telling you that what God did on the day of Pentecost, he still loves to do, and he wants to do, and it will override and overtake all the other nine cents. Yeah. It'll just transform what needs to be transformed. They were also one heart and one soul. I mean, Acts 4.32, it says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. They came together in a unified purpose. Talk about it where we are right now. Come on. If, if what happens is going to happen and what they say and everything, that, the possibilities of what can happen. 
So whether it's terrorism, whether it's no food on the shelves, no matter what it is, do you think God wants to turn us into a supernatural community? Yeah, he does. Again, there are those of you right now that you're ready. What do I mean by that? You got chickens, you got lettuce, you got all that greenhouse stuff. You got ready for those of us that don't. Pork chops. I mean, in other words, to the point that we come together and we're sharing things with each other. And we're doing that. Listen, that, that has to be supernatural. And it has to be that which has to do with multiplication. Because no matter how much you've got, you don't have enough. So therefore, God wants to multiply it. And God loves multiplying in an atmosphere where there's unity. Yes, He does. He'll multiply in that place. He'll bring fish and loaves and cause an abundance to happen. But I'm telling you, he's not going to do it in a soup kitchen where everybody in the soup line is grumbling and complaining. That's not good and pleasant. (laughs) Oh, there's so-and-so coming in the door. What do you think about them? Oh, jeesh. And we're going to have to feed them. No, 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 no. God's going to say, I'm not multiplying this spaghetti. (laughs) These people are at complete odds with each other. No, I'm telling you, to get what we see here is going to take that kind of unified purpose. We're willing willing to say yes. So we're, we're talking about, you know, vineyards and sharing and being of one accord. The Well of Mission banner that's on the back, it, it has a quote from uh, Comenius back there. I'm going to read it to you. It says, if we do not extend the unity, we will not preserve it. Because everything, if it does not grow, perishes. If no new plants are planted in a garden or vineyard, it will die out slowly, no matter how diligently it was planted out. I mean, that was one of the Moravians' uh, laws of life, if you will, was to always perfect and be, they were brethren of unity, and to be together, and then also to learn how to share with one another and build community. What a great example, and it's right on the back wall of our church here. So when you're walking through and you're praying, and re- remember that. We want to see the, mu- the unity extend. Okay, so we saw some of you taking pictures of that. We'll be glad to share it with you. We're not going to go through all of those. I'll read this statement to you. It says, God's purpose is to bring together and reconcile to himself the whole of creation. This desire for unity reflects the unity within the Godhead, is expressed in marriage and demonstrated in the fellowship of the church. And so then from there, it can spread out and it can begin to catch and it can begin to change atmospheres. Mm-hmm. So we're all wired differently. We kind of started out that way this morning. We're all, we're all unique. We're all wired differently. How many of you consider yourself an introvert? They have a hard time raising their hands. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just felt that. You just ask them to do something that's not comfortable. How many ever extroverts? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. And how, how many of you have taken any kind of personality test before? You've taken, okay, some of you, you've taken some kind of personality test that kind of decides, okay, you're, you're this kind of person. You, you like things this way in the atmosphere, 
And, and so every, every one of us are different that way. Some of us are driven. I mean, I said I was an introvert, but, but I was a driver in, in the world of, out there you say, well, you were a high D, okay? Or, or what was the other? High, anyway, one of those letters that said, okay, he, he's a driver. He's going to decide this is what God wants to do, and he's going to say, okay, let's go do it. And then somebody else decides they could tell you everything of, well, you better think about this. And what about this and the possibility of this? And I didn't understand these things. I had a guy on my staff. He came in from Idaho. He was part of our network. He comes in. He moves to Florida. And I'm, I, don't, I don't understand Rich Carey. He was a friend that became a pain in my butt. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> what? How do, I don't even understand how you think, man. I mean, really, I didn't even know what to do with him other than drive him off. And, and so what happened is in that, we didn't become the team God wanted us to become until I finally realized we're in, a, we're in a chamber of commerce thing and they're doing these kinds of tests. And all of a sudden, all of you that are this over there and all of you this over there and all that. And there were four different divisions in the room. And all of us that were drivers were like, yeah, look at us. We don't need any of them. And all the rest of them are like, yeah, and we don't want to have nothing to do with you. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And listen, you can, we have a house full of people and all of you are different. All of you process things differently. Your filters are all different. So if, if there was anything that we said, okay, we're going to call it, let's do this and let's do this now. And, and you can immediately with the differences in people feel resistance come up in the room. Yes, you can. You can feel it. You're like, all right, we're going to, this is what we're going to agree upon right now. We're all going to come to the altar and do it. I like to ponder. (laughs) Like, I like to think about things. So it's like something gets thrown my direction, and I'm like, but I want to think about this first before I, anybody like that? Like, wait. Ponderers. (laughs) Yes, we have some ponderers in the room. And and so we do that. I mean, it's a reason I, I make this statement. You cannot manufacture repentance. If the wind of God blows in the room and it's the wind that's bringing forth repentance, it'll go like a wave through the room and people will be on their face. Yeah. I could tell every one of you right now, get on your knees, get on your face, get somewhere, and we're going to repent. And a lot of you would do that. You say, okay, I'll do that. A lot of you'd be like, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> I don't feel any anointing on that right now at all. Why in the world am I going to get down and do a religious act when I feel... Are, you're, you're with me, aren't you? Yeah. Come on, it's, I understand, I'm, I'm fine with a call to things. But you know the difference when there's a call to something and when there's an anointing and a presence of God that says, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you that submit to God and resist the devil, in that moment of right now, you're there. Yeah. And, and it's so much bigger. I don't know about you, but I, that's what I want. That, that's, that's, what, that's why we're having this conversation. That's, why we're, that, that's what we're after. Amen. Is that when, boom, when God says, okay, this is what's going on right now, we can all just yield to God and say yes to God. And, and I know that in that, it's, it's, um, what's, it's part of the journey. Yeah. It's part of what God's doing with us. And, and we won't do it right every time. It's not about right and wrong. It's really more about life. We're after life. And, and so for us, Kimberly and I, because every one of us here could talk about 
and again, let's just be honest. You could right now, well, how, no matter how long you've been here, you could probably say what you like and what you don't like. Oh, well, I see the I, list starting. There's like columns going in the spirit. This can. And I mean, for us, some of you even share with us. This is what we like. This is, this, this is what we like on the music we do. And we don't really like that over there. And, and you know, I mean, we'll, we still have a smile on our face. You know, and, and that's okay. But that's not going to bring us into oneness. I mean, it's, 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 you know, I'm sorry, we've been here two years. When you're in a place for two years, you've been here 15 years. My God, how much wanna? I mean, I understand, I pastored the same church for 23 years. I had a guy on my staff, he was my right-hand man, and um, he waits a whole year, and we're sitting in the car in the parking lot, and he got offended with me. And I'm like, when when did you get offended with me? A year ago. <laughs> a year ago. My, you've been holding that a whole year. Hadn't bothered me at all because I didn't even know about it. <laughs> Ain't going to sit here as what, my, like my right-hand man and tell me that I said something from the pulpit a year ago, which I'm supposed to remember. What I said a year ago in the pulpit, remind me, would you, brother? What was it that I said? And And so he tells me, and I'm like, well, if, I'm sorry if that's what you heard me say. I, that really wasn't in my heart. Put up, you know, this whole thing of offense is a major. People getting offended. I, I love, some of you maybe know, um, he, he wrote Francis Frangipan. Some of you know Francis Frangipan. He, you can pull it up on Elijah List, it's an old, old article, but he wrote this whole thing on becoming unoffendable. Mm. Don't you want to be unoffendable? Yeah. You, can't, I'm not, you can't offend me. Yeah. I want to be, by the blood of Jesus, unoffendable. Amen. Mm. Let me say that. Yeah. So Father, we invite the blood of Jesus right now to do more than we could ever do and we're asking that the blood of Jesus would work such a miracle in us that we become absolutely unoffendable. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Boom. I mean, is there any offense in heaven? No. Is that a correct prayer to pray? Can we pray that? It was in the prayer of Jesus, whatever we're saying. So we're lining up. I didn't just lead you in a prayer that was not biblical, not a, no. It was a prayer that lines up with God's heart, and so we just want to become absolutely unoffendable. Yeah. You know, some of the practice of that, I'll tell you this. We, I, um, I had a, I had a friend. No, no. I had a friend, and he always went after this. He was a prophet. And every time he'd come preach, he'd preach in my, he was a part of our network, so he'd preach a lot in our church. I knew every time he was going to talk about, we talk about the whole thing of fasting in Isaiah. Well, it was a fasting from the pointing of the finger. Mm. But you're going to take a fast from the pointing of the finger. And here's what he'd tell us to do. I want you to put a rubber band on your wrist. And every time you start to judge something or let something come out of your mouth that shouldn't come out. I want you to take that rubber band, pull it back, pop yourself. Ouch. 
My God, the end of the week, my wrist. It's like my fifth grade teacher, Ms. Elam. I'm, I'm, I'm flashing here now. I'm having flashbacks. And so we were, we would, did any of you do spitballs in the classroom? Some of them just won't admit it. They did. You were doing that. Boom. Fifth grade. Spitballs. Ms. Elam's, stop it. No more. I get busted. She comes over to my desk. I'm a fifth grader. Takes a rubber band and does that on my arm. Can't get away with that anymore. Where'd the good days go? And, and just pops that thing on my arm. Anyway, no more pointing of the finger. All right? So whatever it has to take, we say thank you for the anointing, God, that causes us to be conscious when we start becoming offended are letting judgments come out of our mouth that should not come out of our mouth. Yeah. So you got offense, you got forgiven, unforgiveness, and you got judgment. Mm -hmm. So part of what I'm saying is this morning, we want to yield to the anointing that will then switch things in us, in our heart, that we will not judge incorrectly, that we will not become critical, that we will not become have offense. And, and we, we won't let that criticism come out of our mouth. Is that a pretty good thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, we're really not a, a what would be the right word? Um, everybody, do we want to vote? <laughs> Is that a, no, okay, Jay said heck no. We ain't voting. <laughs> yes, sir. We're, we're not voting. I was just going to say, it's a good thing that we're not, we become unoffendable and we forgive quickly. Yeah. Forgive quickly. Because, again, if we're going to talk about uh, things that close the door to even the anointing of unity, offense will close those doors. Yeah. Unforgiveness will close those doors. Yeah. Criticism, making wrong judgments, it'll close those doors. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to see God do that. Yeah. I don't want to see God do it. Yeah. I, I don't want to see the enemy do that. I want to see God do something so powerful beginning in us that are here and those listening online that all of a sudden we'll find ourselves with the presence of God so strong us on us, we'll become so conscious of the Spirit of God that all this kind of stuff won't have the ability to do what it loves to do. All right? There's another passage. Let's read this one. We pulled one up on uh, unforgiveness. Oh, no, no, this was great. I know. Let's do this. I'll do it. Do it. Read okay, it. on offense, Proverbs 18, 19 to 21. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So definitions, bars of a castle, that means to rebel transgress or revolt. You, you understand that rebellion as, is as unto the son of sin of witchcraft. That's what scripture says. It says to be caused to feel resentment or indignation, break with or away with, behave as a criminal, disloyal, 
strife, and contention, bitter conflict, heated, often violent dissension. So what are we, we're saying no to that. We're saying no, 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 no. I, I don't want to become offended and that come forth. Let's read the one on unforgiveness. This is passion. So then if you are presenting a gift before the altar in the temple and suddenly remember a quarrel, you have a fellow believer, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once to apologize with the one who is offended. Then after you have reconciled, come to the altar and present your gift. So we're saying, let's, let's just be quick to go to one another. Yeah. Let's just be quick to go to one another. And what I mean by that is go to the person not everybody else. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows about gossip. And, you know, you think, well, no, I've just shared it because it's a prayer request. We're going to pray together about it. Take your right hand <laughs> and say, oh, wow, because we'll fall into it. Yeah. No, whoever you need to forgive, whoever you have an offense with, just go to that person, sit down with them, and talk to them. And, and do, Richard, do yourself a favor when you go there, don't have your own agenda, decide how it has to go and what it is that you want to get from them. You ever done that? Kind of play the game, I'll forgive you if you forgive me. Doesn't work. Have you ever? <laughs> I've been in this a long time. I've done it wrong. I have. I can remember, man. I can remember it because I... Anyway, I'd go and I'd say, I'm expecting, I apologize. I was wrong. I want you to forgive me. And then they'd go, fine. And then I'm waiting for them. Well, you were just as big a jerk as me. What, what, you're not going to respond back to me? None of you do that, do you? Do not do that with your husband or wife. It will not go well with your soul. <laughs> Don't, don't do it. All right, we're going to read this one on judgment. Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others, and judgment will not be passed on you, for you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong, when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypercritical and a hypocrite. First acknowledge that your own blind spots, first acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. So, I mean, there is a place. I mean, Scripture says, you who are spiritual, help the one that finds themselves caught up in sin, so there is a place of correction. There is a place of working with people. Mm -hmm. But what you don't want to do is override in any way, making sure it's not in you. Yeah. So God, make us conscious. The prayer of David, search me, O God. See if there be any wicked thing in me. Then I want to, I want to just be quick to say, okay, God, I recognize it. I confess it. And in my confession, then you come and you clean it. You cleanse me of all unrighteousness then you're at a place where you can go and you can talk to people and help people. So we're not saying don't, don't take care of things when things need to be taken care of. We're not saying don't speak the truth, but we are saying make sure you speak the truth in love. Yeah. 
because love then is what opens the door for what needs to happen. <clears throat> a couple of books, and some of you may have read them or heard about them, but in this category, especially when it comes to the thing of offense, um, The Bait of Satan by John Brevere. Should be required reading for all of us. And it's been so long since I read it, I should read it again. Another one I'll recommend is Tell of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. Tell of Three Kings. Because what happens in there is it's going from uh, Saul to Absalom to David. And it's helping you see what's really going on in my heart right now. It's just we all need adjustments. Holy go to adjustments. And so anyway, those are two resources. I'm sure there's more. All right. These last two verses, we're just going to talk about what should our response be. So Galatians 6, 1 to 3. My beloved friends, if you are a believer who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the Spirit seek to restore him. Win him over with gentle words, which will open his heart to you and will keep you from exalting yourself over him. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. If you think you are too important to stoop down to help another, you are living in deception. In Ephesians 4.1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that's the place we want to be. We want to just say yes to the Scripture, to the Spirit of God that wrote the Scripture. God, we're willing to yield to that. We are also can easily say, I, I, I'm weak, God, I can't do this. I can't do this in my own power. And God says, fine, because in your weakness, I'll show myself strong. So some of me in this room, you could just say this morning, hey, there's no way I can forgive. I just can't do it. Cause too much pain. Then I just say to you, tell God, God, I, I can't do that. And then God will say to me, to you, us, then will you allow me to do that in you? And then you just yield and say, okay, God, according to your word and according to what you can only do, then, and, and do it this way, take it out of the eye and say, we forgive. Because Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that, that's the we, they'll forgive. You become part of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So I'm, 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 you can say, no, I can't. But you can say we can. So in these moments of great pain, we choose to yield to the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus. Okay? So right now, any of you in the room, right where you sit right now, if that applies to you, if you're holding unforgiveness towards somebody, that's the first place. Unity will not come. Why? Because your emotions and who you are is divided. You're already, the enemy's already divided you. So we're just making an appeal right where you sit this morning. In this moment, if there's anything of unforgiveness, just boom. If you need, if you need to, what we do with people is just have them take a piece of paper. Just go ahead, write it out. This person, this person, this situation, whatever it is, I'm, I'm offended. Here it is, God. Here's the offense. You know what you can do if you want to? You can even write on there why you think you have the right. 
I'm offended, God, and, and this is a reason I'm offended, and I think I have the right to be offended. And yet I'm going to put it on the altar. I'm going to lay the list of the offenses and the things of unforgiven. I'm going to lay it on the altar of Jesus and say, now, God, I give you the opportunity. What does God do? He's going to take his fire. He's going to take his holy fire, and he's going to take those things, and they're going to become his nothing. Whew. How many of you want to be free? Yes, you do. No, I'll speak for you. You do not want to carry that stuff around. It is not good. It'll keep you up at night. It'll cause stress. And stress causes all kinds of ailments in your body. Unforgiveness will cripple you. I pray for so many people with back issues that as soon as we took care of forgiveness, unforgiveness, their back was healed just like that. God loves to heal. But God loves ripping roots out. He does. Once the root is out, then all the manifestations of the root of that demonic thing, they leave. So the appeal to you this morning, the challenge is just to say yes to God. Are you willing in this moment? This is an important eternal moment right now. Right now. Right now, this is an important eternal moment because it has to do with the destiny of this house. It has to do with the destiny of this mountain. And I'll go so far because it's whether you see it or understand it, it has to do with even what God's doing in our nation. Yeah, it does. Moravian Falls has a part of an assignment of a destiny that has to do with the saving of a nation. Yeah, it does. Some of you know the call of the place. It's supposed to be a place of refuge. Well, if it's going to be a place of refuge, then God wants people to come into a place of refuge where the people are free. So in this moment right now, right where you're sitting, take care of, of anything. Just say, right, God, right now, search our hearts. If there's any unforgiveness. If there's any offense. Anything of wrong judgment that I've made, then I confess it and I agree with you about it, God, that it was wrong. Now I appeal to you, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to come cleanse my heart. Make me ready right now, God, to see differently, to feel differently, to speak differently. And Father, in this place this morning, we want to go to the place as one unit, one mind, one heart, unified purpose, unified purpose of saying, God, we are willing to say, conform us to the image of Jesus. Is that a good unified purpose? Just conform us to the image of Jesus and sum up everything in Christ. So that's the invitation. So I want you to stand with me where you are. If you don't mind, please stand. So I believe that there's an anointing in the presence of God here for us to just simply yield to what it is that he wants to do.
And so, again, don't, don't, I don't, I don't want you to do anything religiously. I don't want you to do anything just because of me standing here. But I believe God is moving, and I believe that there's going to be a difference in us and in this house after today. Amen. You could say that sounds kind of arrogant. No, I, I think God's big. And I think that's why he gave us this message. And I think that's why even in the last week that we didn't preach Friday week ago till this morning, because God had to work it in us. He had to soften us. He had to soften our hearts. He had to, I had to work through this stuff. I could have easily, you know, even three weeks ago, come in here and just hammered and beat the snot out of you, and it would accomplish nothing because it would just been about me. This is not about me. It's bigger than you. It's about us, okay? But I want to know if God's moving in you right now in this moment that you're ready to say, I'm going to yield to the anointing and the presence of God so that we might walk in unity. If that's you, just raise your hand. Keep it up. And I don't want your eyes closed. I want you to look around the room. And again, if you don't have your hand up, it's fine. I, don't, I just want you to understand that God's doing something among us this morning. And God sees our hands raised. And God's going to empower us to do exactly what we're yielding to. Right? This is, not a, this is not an arm of the flesh. This has nothing to do with my own strength or yours. I'm not holding you accountable to anything other than right now in this moment, we're just saying yes to God together. So God, you see our hands. You see us, God. You recognize. And we're saying, God, we're ready for you by your presence, by your anointing, by your oil, by your, your glory. We're yielding to you in this moment because, God, we want you to be able to fully do all that you want to do in us, through us, and around us. Now just release a great amen. 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 So be it. So we do. We love you. We appreciate every one of you. We thank God for every one of you. Thanks for allowing Kimberly and I to be ourselves. And, um, you know, not we, we don't feel any need to perform. I mean, I don't mind doing a little dance, but we don't, you know, we don't feel that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But we... we <laughs> I, it used to be the happy dance. So, you know, my congregation always waited, is he going to do the happy dance? So now you have... The gathering and everybody watching has now seen Richard's happy dance. All right. So we got guys, the ministry teams ready to pray for any of you. Come on up. And if, you got, if you're here, something going on in your body, just something you want somebody to agree with you in prayer on, they're going to be up here and they'll be glad for, to pray for you.